0: to episode 94 of the ASC Podcast with John Gailey for March seventeenth, 2020, recording live from our studio in Spencerport, New York. This is Sue Cronkite, Chief Researcher for the ASC Podcast and Senior Nurse Consultant for Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies, and I'm with John Gailey, who is recognized as one of the nation's leading experts in the ambulatory surgery industry. And joining us remotely, we have from Rochester, New York, Jenna Alvarez, Senior Nurse Consultant with AHS, and also from Rochester... Uh, Alex Borneman, Director of Operations with AHS, from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Lori Rodricks, Director of Clinical Service for AHS, and from Syracuse, New York, John Sorry, John Van Valkenberg, the president of the of the New York State Association of Surgery Centers, and from Albany, Lisa Wickens eltieri president of Capital Health Consulting, the government affairs consultant for the New York State ASC Association. So, welcome everybody.
1: Um, When I uh, scheduled today's conference, uh, or uh, today's uh, podcast, I did say let's try to keep it short, and then, of course, we started writing the script for it, and uh, it it is long. We we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, This is uh, specific to New York, but as I did uh, indicate on our LinkedIn feed, um, uh, there's enough information here for our national audience also, and I I do see that our our listenership is actually heading up toward the normal number. Uh, Can I ask the other... um, Uh, People on the line to uh, mute your mics, Uh, we're getting a lot of background noise. Um, We know that your time is valuable, and we'll try to keep this as short as possible, and and, uh, of course cover as much material as we can. If we don't answer your questions, feel free to email us at comments at ASCPodcast.com, and we'll do our best to respond. Also, please visit our website at ASCPodcast.com. Uh, we are posting throughout the day. We are updating our uh, resources uh, and that big uh, bold letter uh, section of the podcast. We are all, we also decided to start posting our, uh, our daily uh, email to our clients uh, on the website also. At this point, it doesn't matter whether you're a client or not a client. We're giving you all the same information uh, that we send out in our daily email. Um, so one of the... One of the things I did want to kind of mention um, in the very beginning here, unfortunately, we are in kind of the worst-case scenario in many cases where we're actually talking about uh, our centers having to shut down. And I I often talk uh, when I'm doing uh, speeches on uh, on finances, uh, on financial, uh, on the finance side of ASCs, um, about the importance of maintaining a healthy uh, cash reserve. And I usually talk about maintaining at least 30 days if you have a line of credit, and if you don't have a line of credit, 60 days. Uh, you need to be talking to your bank right now about credit facilities and making sure you have enough cash. Remember, even if you do lay off staff, you're going to need cash for overhead in order to get through this time. Uh, I am starting to get some um, uh, feedback from some of the um, uh, banks out there, and we'll, we'll post uh, information um on our website as we start to find uh, 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 banks and and lending institutions that might be uh, willing to lend uh, to us in this time of need. This is going to be devastating for small businesses. I'm hoping most of you have at least 60 days in cash. That means, uh, when we mean that, we mean enough cash to get through uh, with no revenue coming in at all uh, for 60 days. So that's what we refer to as that. That is the, uh, the best practices in the ambulatory surgery industry. We have a number of topics to talk about. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about, which happened minutes after we went off the air yesterday, uh, is the actions of, by mayor de Bla- mayor, uh, the mayor of New York City, Mayor de Blasio, uh, who issued an executive order yesterday afternoon. Uh, we don't know the exact time of the or- that the order was issued, if that is important, and facilities have 96 hours from that date to discontinue elective procedures. It leaves to the doctors to assess which are elective according to which procedures can be postponed or canceled based on patient risk, considering the emergency need for redirection of resources to COVID-19 response. So a lot of people have uh, have come back to me today and said, I believe that we have been told we've been ordered to shut down. That is not the case at all. Um, so uh, you know, please understand that uh, and we'll be giving some advice in a few minutes about this. And I know that Lisa's on the line. We'll, t- we'll bounce this to her in a few minutes if she has any updates on this. Uh, there is a link to the order on our website uh, if you want to, to, to read it directly. Uh, please note that there is some confusion regarding the exact timing of the order. The order takes effect as of 4 p.m. I'm sorry. The order, um, so depending upon the timing of the order, it could have been as early as 4 p.m. or as late as about 7, 7.30 when the order was actually posted. This means that New York City must sometime between 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. on this Friday, uh, 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 discontinue elective procedures, and this affects uh, only uh, New York City faci- uh, facilities. So this is our advice at this point. Please work closely with your doctors to determine which of your procedures are elective. You do, at this point, have the ability, the, uh, the option of electing uh, what are elective, what are essential yeah. procedures, what mm-hmm. are elective, and what are not. Uh, and uh, we're going to give you some advice uh, about uh, how to document that in the minutes. And we will be posting some example uh, minutes to your governing body that would show how you would uh, uh, do that.
0: And I guess for people that maybe haven't listened before, although I think a lot of people are, are repeat listeners, but com is where we'll be posting That's correct. a lot and of these examples.
1: Significant updates were made yesterday after the... Uh, um, after the podcast was, uh, con- uh, was done. We did get a comment here, Garfinkel Wild is getting clarification of the time of the order to know the time to uh, discontinue procedures. Again, let's be very clear here, there's a lot of confusion. You're not being told to discontinue procedures. You're being de- uh, told to det- de- determine what are elective and what are non-elective and cease doing the elective procedures. I know it sounds like you're being told to do this, uh, but that- that's really not the case. We want to be very specific. Uh, and then uh, so one of the reasons I wanted to mention this is that even if you're not in New York City, this is likely to begin to be the beginning of similar orders in other areas of the country and, of course, the state. Um, and
2: John, just to just to speak a little bit to what Garfunkel Wild is interpreting it right now from the from the legal side. Um, so they're saying that effective on midnight, midnight March, um, 20th, you should be uh, implementing the plan, and then, <clears throat> and then the plan um, or the the order itself would be discontinued on at 11:59 p.m. on Saturday, um, if not renewed. And they say all of the orders that happen in this way um, have to be renewed every five days. So. So this is a normal, we, we should expect this order to be renewed um, because that's the maximum that an order of this type would be, would ever be uh, effective.
1: Okay, and we'll we'll uh, be very specific on the website. Now that we have that clarification, we'll, we'll put those uh, dates and times down and we'll keep current with whatever uh, happens with regard to when you're uh, told to, to restart. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa, I know you're online Uh Lisa, do you have any updates that you want to give? Uh, we have other things to talk about, but go ahead, if you have any updates about what we've talked about so far.
3: Yeah, no, uh, thank you, John. And um, I don't have any updates other than I have reached out to New York State Department of Health, as well as the governor's office, asking for clarification. The issue is, and I read uh, section five, Subsection 5 and Subsection 6, and, and, and to Mick's point, I believe that was Mick on the phone, um, from Garfunkel-Wild, the, the What it is that i'm um, I'm reading is there has to be this evaluation done by the physician to identify if this is if it's an elective or an essential type of service. And it looks like it's um the help and help and Hospital Corp specifically, and then subsection six is for all. Um you know, in some of the discussions that we've been having, both um, across all provider types as well as with um, folks within government, is that at some point, you know, some of the ambulatory surgery centers could be used for their resources. And I think we're going to talk about that later. Um, But that's also what the subsection uh, five and six is referring to when you're making some of the decisions regarding essential and or elective. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we'll talk about that after. Sure.
1: Now, let's make a couple notes here. Uh, if you decide to shut down completely, this is a New York State reportable event under nightports. so don't forget that. So please if you do decide to shut down immediately, you must report this immediately uh, to nightports through the health commerce system. if you uh, Uh, don't know what I'm talking about uh, please send me an email right away I'm hoping everybody knows what I'm talking about here Uh, and if you need some help in uh, reporting the nightports, just reach out to us uh, and uh, our contact information is all over the place now I think Uh, any actions such as limiting cases and or discontinuing services require actions on the part of the governing body we will be posting example minutes to document those decisions okay Yeah. so, a, a couple things I just want to note. If you're preparing for a shutdown, in other words, terminating services and uh, and exiting the facility, here's are some things that mm-hmm. you need to be thinking about. Take resources with you so that you can hold board meetings from home, example, laptops, et cetera. Uh, very important that um, you uh, be prepared for all the actions you're going to have to take uh, to start you back up again. I mean, we're now we're talking about, um, you know, how to, um, uh, shut down, but now you got to start thinking about how you're going to open up. Also, uh, be prepared to conduct business at home. Uh, we'll be putting together some resources that you can use from your home to keep working and to prepare for reopening. If, now, with
0: that, go sorry, ahead. but would that include before you do your board meeting, doing your um, copy meetings? Would you want to bring home your? I don't know, patient satisfaction, the chart things, or is it more important to...
1: I, 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 that is a very good point. And, yes, if you can continue uh, doing <clears throat> your quality improvement, be very careful about what you take off-site. Obviously, don't take patient records mm-hmm. off-site. You're mm-hmm. still not allowed to do that. Yeah. But if you can take summary information, I think the best thing to do, of course, is to make sure all of that information uh, is on a computer that you can access remotely mm-hmm. and make sure that that computer is uh, secured Um So you'll be... Other people getting to it.
0: Yeah, you want to be set to go when this all passes. Right. Take good advantage of this time if you can.
1: If you are a client of Ambientary Healthcare Strategies, we have technological options that will help you do that. So reach out to us, to to your contact at AHS for assistance, um, and we'll be glad to offer that up. Uh, Be prepared to do things from home that will help you get caught up and to prepare for reopening when you begin operations again. And uh, you want to be prepared to hit the ground running. Uh, We're going to be rolling out some options uh, over the next couple, uh, well, I guess it's weeks, um, that will help you get caught up. and, And I'm sorry, I think the screen just... Yeah, Alex got some good
0: information. Okay.
1: Um, so, uh, so for example, during the shutdown, we'll be uh, putting together some infection control training for coordinators, new and existing. That's infection control coordinators. Uh, we're going to do some remote mandatory education training so your employees can do this from home, saving time when you get back to work and making good use of any paid time that you might be given to your employees. Uh, we'll be developing some mock uh, tabletop drills, which I guess we can do from home also. Uh, and con- we are considering right now a virtual conference. So we're working on this uh, so in lieu of uh, doing the real conference, which we know uh, a lot have been canceled, including the New York State Association's conference. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with ASCA. Uh, we are uh, uh, working to put together a virtual conference, and so many conferences have been canceled, as I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, uh, j- go ahead, Alex. Uh, okay. Alex,
0: you were bringing up some information about yep. a form?
1: <clears throat> yep, so
2: Garfunkel-Wild was nice enough to provide um, via their, their most recent uh, webinar a form that a physician would fill out uh, prior to a procedure being performed to declare it as not elective. Um, and they, they believe this is one of the best ways to um, to declare which, which procedures are not elective and uh, worth performing still. Um, and this would be in conjunction with, um, a statement by your governing body declaring either specific procedures open to, um, being performed or saying that each procedure determined by the physician will be, um, performed as long as it's been declared not elective.
1: Okay. Right, and again, we'll be posting some information. I don't believe it's up there yet, but I mm-hmm. think we'll be posting some example policy or um example board minutes uh, mm-hmm. we'll post in the stuff, form this form yep. yeah. okay Good. and
0: you said that form has to be filled out for each procedure and explain yeah,
2: that. exactly, okay. so okay. each procedure, each patient
1: um every single time you do a procedure, it would have oh. to be filled out right okay. right for uh, okay. and it'd be filed with that patient's uh, uh, medical record, I'm assuming okay, so you can't just exactly. declare
0: that. This type of procedure we're doing is going to be not considered that, elective,
1: right? I think we have to do that. Bodies. Would be okay. that would be at the, the governing Lord. body level. Okay. Um, so
2: you could do that okay. if you wanted to,
0: and then after that, um, this would be the lower out. level. Okay. okay, all right, thanks. So.
1: Uh, okay. Uh, our next section is monitoring patients and staff. Uh, this is based upon New York City guidance. I, I don't know who's taking the lead on this one.
4: I can, um, nobody, go
0: ahead, or you could, no, actually, Lori, do you want to? Yeah, because I thought Lori was, yep.
4: Um, well, earlier I was, uh, shared the, um, guidance, that New York city department of health, um, alert number seven. So I kind of, uh, put it into a little synopsis. And basically when it comes to staff, um, they want you to monitor yourselves. So if what they're stating is if you're sick, stay home, Uh, anything, a fever over a hundred, or if you have any of the symptoms, you know, the the common symptoms that are being listed right now with the COVID-19, you are to stay home. They would prefer you stay home for a minimum of seven days following the onset of those symptoms and, or at least 70, 72 hours of consistently being a afe, afebrile as long as you haven't been self medicating yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. And and um, Laurie, uh, one thing we should point out here: we have been giving advice at one hundred point four based upon the CDC guidelines. But this afternoon, um, the uh, Jenna, help me was it the city or the state? They, the
2: city said basically, and I, I think the state has also made the same argument um, in other in guidance for other agencies that. For healthcare workers, they consider a um, temperature above a hundred to be a fever, okay. so that you basically catch it earlier. I guess. Right, right. Is <laughs> their reasoning?
4: Yeah, kind of like the uh, the the higher authority wind. So right. you know, a hundred is you know I guess higher theoretically than one hundred four in this case. Which, but anyway, so they. They just want you to do that. Also, if staff have uh, been sent home prior because of potential um, contamination or thought of being um, a carrier, if they have been asymptomatic, they are um, also being told they can go back to work. Um, also, um, they just want the self-monitoring that they want the healthcare workers to perform on themselves. Um, they The temperature checks should be at least eight hours apart, but with uh, performing a check pretty much immediately before you uh, go to your shift. So whether that's before you leave your house or when you get to the front door, um, whatever you consider immediate. So they want it, I guess, as close to real time as possible. Um, But if you have workers that uh, have been... um, been exposed to a known high risk patient and someone that is confirmed positive with COVID-19, they say you can go to work as long as you're doing this self-monitoring. And as long as you're
2: not symptomatic.
4: Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, They also um, had put in the thing, um, what New York State said was limit the use of surgical masks by your asymptomatic exposed providers Um, to those who have a a known high risk exposure or are involved in the care of vulnerable patients. So, you know, obviously that's your surgical cases where you could be possibly exposed to them or if you're in a situation, um, maybe not surgically, but if you were doing uh, scopes uh, of the respiratory nature, um, that sort of thing. Um, So, you know, save your masks for those that are at the highest risk of being contaminated but um, the, the current CDC recommendation or the, the ones that are out there uh, still reads, consider requiring all healthcare practitioners to wear a face mask when in the facility depending on supply. So it's that's like a, a conflict. So the, the centers will have to make their own judgments. The, the part about depending on supply, um, that's, that's the key part of it. Um,
3: so it's, it's you have to decide. Yeah.
1: Uh, Lisa yeah. would like to add some clarification. Go ahead, Lisa. Sure.
3: Yeah, So, so this is Lisa. Um, the Department of Health has been putting out some pretty um, pretty uh, strict, I'd say guidelines, and uh, for all the New York State folks, uh, going to your you know health commerce, Uh, you know, going to your health commerce system has some some really good guidance out there. Um, So some of the things that the New York State Association of Ambulatory Surgeries, what we've been talking about is besides just doing the screenings, there should be screenings for every staff member when they're coming in. If you are limiting some of and taking temps right away when they come in, Um, if you're utilizing the masks, what we're hearing across the field especially downstate in new york is um it's already becoming very very hard to get masks new york state does have a system right now that's set up that uh, facilities can go to uh, the county oem and request supplies but what we're hearing down in suffolk and nassau county already is that when they're calling, getting a hold of the OEM, OEM is uh, the Office of Emergency Management, they're actually telling them that they don't have any available, that they're getting more shipments in, and they'll be the first in line. Um, So what we've been also talking to to different provider types about is um, really sparingly trying to use those masks, um, you know, trying to reuse them as you can. There's there's actually information out there um, for reusing and repurposing, you know, doing some of the N95s when you do have cases, which I don't think the ambulatory surgery centers will have. But um, when you don't have those confirmed cases, and you're using just masks, you know, the regular face masks, um, you can actually you know, kind of like save them at least for the day. I, so that's something important.
1: Yeah, I, I do have to kind of interject here, and perhaps uh, Lori would too. I, I again, in a surgical environment, I'd be very, very careful about reusing because, in addition to the yeah. the viral uh, use uh, situation, we still have other we still have other things that they could be exposed to. So I'm not sure. Right. I think that might be applicable in other scenarios, but I'm not so sure in the surgical environment uh, that our yeah. r- right. our situation would allow that. Yeah, you
3: know, one um, of the other yeah. things that's come up too is that people have been, uh, the ambulatory surgery centers are when they're calling the night before pa- patients for coming in is actually doing that screening yes. the night before for that person, but also for the person that may be driving them and then also doing the same before they even get in the door.
1: Yes, Lisa, so, that's um, all, uh, and, and that is all part of our uh, protocols that we have posted, um, on our uh, website, and that uh, exactly, that, that's exactly what you should be doing, and uh, we fully agree with that. Okay. And,
4: and one of John's centers uh, was very uh, uh, helpful in sharing information from uh, uh, Donna Nucci, who is an infection preventionist, um, and she uh, has uh, uh, reaches New York, um, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Um, she also works for Yale. And she put out uh, little tidbits on what to do. And, and, you know, one of the things she recommends to people is, you know, as John's been saying, prepare to close or or suspend your services. Um, And as uh, we just heard, patients and their visitors, um, restrict your visitors. Restrict them um, to one one, uh, escort, uh, single escort and um, if you can, have the escorts wait outside. Um, I would recommend you could even put a sign on your, the front door of your facility or your ASC that asks them at that time to please um, go back to their cars and they will be um, notified for the timing of the pickup. That way they're not even coming into your center so you're avoiding that sort of contact if you, if you can do that. Um, obviously, uh, it's preferred no one under 18 of years of age come in that are not patients. Um, the other thing, um, unfortunately that she recommends, and it is true. Many of you have, um, come, um, come to face with this. You almost have to put all of your cleaning supplies and your PPE under locking key yeah. because they're disappearing. Uh, you know, uh, it's not just patients that are taking it from your waiting room. Um, so you want to keep a good eye on that and you also want to be, um, conservative of how you're using it. Don't be wasteful. Um, make sure that, uh, that you are educating your staff on the right way to use it and when to use it. You don't want everyone just running around with gloves on because one, you're going to waste your gloves and number two, that's not the intent. Um, so you're, you're going to want to you know, do that sort of education. Um, when it came to the reuse of the masks, um, Donna had mentioned that as well, but the way she had put it was plan for reuse of masks for non-critical care of the patient. My interpretation of that is, all right, when you're cleaning uh, the beds, when you're turning over the rooms, when you're not in direct patient care, that's non-critical. When you're at the patient's bedside performing the procedure or you have a chance of the contamination going back and forth, that's the critical care point. Um, so that's that's my um, two cents into that as well. Um, the other thing she recommended, and I completely agree, this is not a time to introduce new technology into your center. It's not a time to do new testing if you were going to um, undergo, um, you know, Uh, checking on your sterilization processes and stuff this isn't the time to start something new it's also not the time to bring people to be training on new equipment Um, and and to that
1: end Lori, i think we should mention too there's a lot of companies out there that are like jumping up and saying hey listen we have a solution for you and as wonderful that is that is uh that's as you said this is not the time to be experimenting with that stuff
4: no, definitely not. You know, you know, stick with what you're doing for now. I mean, it is a time of um, emergent uh, pr- preparation, and you don't want to add more things into the mix where you could cause, you know, more confusion, maybe damage, um, and you won't know where the problem's coming from because now you have new um new factors to consider so I uh, keep it as simple as you can and as um, precise as how you're doing things Um, there's other things out there just reminders you know your um, the hygiene of your center um, especially the public areas Um, so you want not just cleaning where the patients are but you want to also clean the lobby the waiting area keep that you know maybe have someone watching out there and, and wiping down Um, areas, uh, a lot of touch, hand touch areas, the counters, the the arms of the chairs, stuff like that, Um, because it's, you know, it it is uh, spread, you know, via respiratory, but we are, you know, people are still touching their faces and and coughing and whatnot. And so, you know, we want to start at the door so that it's not coming in. It's not what's already in to keep it from going out. We want to keep it from coming in. Um, as well. So that's just something else to consider.
1: Somebody want to take the little cleaning products? Okay. I guess it's me. <laughs> uh, use of cleaning <laughs> products. <laughs> there is a reference. Uh, uh, there is EPA guidance regarding the use of various cleaning products. Uh, anything on this list can be used against COVID-19. Uh, Search your products in the table that is uh, we've linked this on the website. So if you have cleaning products, you're going to want to make sure that you're using cleaning products that is effective against COVID-19. And again, it's on our website. What you're going to want to do is search your products uh, in the table. Again, that's on our website by the EPA registration number that can be found on the product label. And Alex showed me how to do this today Mm -hmm. at the very bottom in very small print. So if you're like me and old, you're going to have to uh, use a magnifying glass to find it. But you do want to look at that EPA registration number and compare it to what's on uh, the website to make sure that you're indeed using a product that is effective against COVID-19. Also, uh, we've had a couple requests. And uh, if you're in the city, uh, we've had a couple requests for... uh, Uh, information on cleaning companies that can do deep cleans. Uh, If you uh, need that information, uh, please uh, email me directly. I don't really want to post that on the website um, since they are specific companies here. Um, And uh, we can give you some guidance, and we can help you with that. Sheltering in place. So, certain actions in California and Boston provide a glimpse of what might happen elsewhere. Several counties in California, including San Francisco, have instituted a shelter in place order. Uh, in the case of California, the order directs re- residents to stay inside unless absolutely necessary. And all businesses considered non essential, such as bars and gyms, have been ordered to close. Hang on one second here. Uh, have been ordered to close. Um, sorry. Things getting a little clunky, uh, uh, and its workers are uh, are to work from home. Grocery stores, pharmacies, restaurants uh, serving takeout. I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry, I Lisa. I know you're trying to call in. Uh, gro- uh, let me state that again. <laughs> Groceries. Gro- go ahead. Grocery
0: stores. Give your voice a rest for a minute. Grocery stores, pharmacies, restaurants serving takeout. Gas stations and other essential businesses remain open, while municipal services such as garbage collection will continue. So at this time, you should be activating your emergency plan and make sure that it addresses these types of emergencies. If you're a client of AHS, your emergency plan is being revised by our staff. If you're not currently a client, we have provided a recommended policy on the resource page that we had listed above, the ASCPodcast.com. However, you should be reviewing your emergency plan to assure that it fully meets the CMS requirements. If you do need assistance, please reach out to us and we will be available to assist. Uh, Part of your emergency plan should be to reach out to both your local municipality's emergency and health department and your local hospital to remind them of your availability and that you're you're willing to help in whatever way that you think you can. Um, Attached are two examples of letters that you can send. I, we'll, well, not <laughs> attached, right. but they yeah. will be on that site that I keep mentioning. And um, last, New York City Mayor de Blasio has stated that they are absolutely considering a sheltering-in-place order. Uh, the New York State Governor uh, Cuomo has stated that he will not allow New York City or any other part of the state to be quarantined. So we're kind of waiting, but I know yeah. Jeffrey had said earlier it, was, it, it looks like they're really leaning towards Yeah, that.
1: and I think we're going to start seeing some battles between the state and the city, too, yeah. given some of the... the uh, the discussions that are going on. Mm-hmm. We did want to talk a little bit about uh, financial issues. Uh, it appears now, hang on one second. Uh, welcome back, Elisa. You're online. Uh, we're just talking about financial Thank issues you. now. Uh, it appears now that if uh, Okay. It appears now that it isn't an issue of if our centers will need to limit operations, but when. Most centers that I've spoken to have indicated that they uh, they don't do enough non-elective procedures to justify staying open, even if they are ordered to limit the procedures that they perform. And I've had a lot of conversations today throughout the state, and uh, I would say almost universally that they cannot find... Um, they, they, they're they're having a hard time justifying staying open if they all they do are elective procedures. Now that being said
0: non-elective
1: procedures. Or non-elective procedures. That being said, we do have a couple of facilities that have uh, basically said all of their procedures are uh, non-elective and that they remain open for everything. I think that might be a little overreaching and I think that they might have some risk in, in taking that option. While we might be called upon under the eleven thirty-five waiver to provide essential health services such as triaging or critical care that also might not be financially viable given other options available to the government and hospitals. Uh so we're going to continue to monitor any options that become available and work with the ASC association to remind the government and the hospitals that we are here and willing to help and of course here in New York. Uh I know uh, Lisa's going to be uh, working on our behalf as an industry to try to help, you know, make sure that uh, everybody uh, knows what's happening. So, uh it is my advice that you start looking into options if you have to limit service. Please see our website at the beginning of this uh that, that's going to be posted for more information. we have tasked some of our staff to start reaching out for more information at the very least we would recommend contacting your local bank for the availability of short term lines of credit to cover your overhead and whatever payroll you would uh, you will continue during any period of shutdown I, We're missing some notes here we're, um Okay, so some of the other recommendations, I'm sorry, I, can't, I don't see it. Some of the other recommendations we have is that you contact your local hospital and your Office of Emergency Preparedness to remind them of your uh, availability. Uh, we're going to uh, post uh, some su- a suggested uh, letter on our website. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, staff, I don't see our notes about this. Welcome to real time, everybody. everybody. <laughs> I am so Just sorry go on the
4: website the for letter Sarah. should
2: already be posted
1: okay um, well, whatever happened let me wing this
2: <laughs> so
1: <laughs> what we what we're recommending is uh you know as part of your emergency plan uh you should be uh Uh, reaching out to the hospital, reaching out to the uh, the local uh, county or emergency preparedness and and reminding them that that your center is there. We are posting two example letters that you can send either by email or letter or carrier pigeon or whatever you need to do uh, over to to those departments and reminding them they're available. Uh, I know I've said this over and over, but I need to say it again. Be make sure your emergency preparedness plan is totally up to date. This is uh, this is the time, uh, you know, to make sure that you're learning from it. Also, to make sure that it's fully uh, operational. If you do need some help on that, we would be glad to help. Uh, Lisa, do you have anything to add to this?
3: Um, I, I don't. I don't think I have anything to add. I think this is a great service that that you guys are putting this on the podcast. I think really helps everybody. I think any any positive or innovative ideas that come up people should be sharing amongst themselves to john uh to the new york state association of ambulatory surgery centers because i think this is very very fluid and and remember that um, the order in regards to elective surgeries was really for new york city um, so we really haven't heard that yet for the rest of the state the governor has on the last four updates daily updates he's been mentioning it but um, i think there's been awareness that there and there's a lot of awareness of how this could fiscally impact uh, the ambulatory surgery centers. So if things can be done safely, I think, um, and the screening process is happening at least upstate right now, and those resources aren't being, um, you know, sent other to, other to other places or to the hospitals, I think right now we're just waiting day to day to hear what the Department of Health or the governor says. Um, the other thing, it is that, you know, right now, New York State's already um, facing a budget crisis. Um, we had, you know, we started this budget process, with the $2.5 billion gap. Right now, they're projecting, it's anywhere between 6 to $9 billion, just based on the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So they are, the legislators and the governor are in the process right now of trying to push that budget through. Um, so I think where anything, I think they're being very uh, fiscally sensitive So I think as we learn and and issues come up, we'll make sure that we stay in touch with the government.
1: And Lisa, I uh, reached out to you earlier today. I know you and I have... uh, only been communicating through email, but we did reach out to you and kind of indicated one of the things that uh, we're looking for on behalf of our clients and on behalf of uh, our our centers in New York, well, this is actually national, but at least you can help us in New York, is trying to find ways to get uh, our employees. If we do end up having to uh, lay off employees or if we have to furlough them, uh, we want to have options open. We want to know if we can send them to the hospital and if there's ways that the state can help expedite uh, uh, retasking them to uh, the hospitals where they're, they're going to be needed if, if they can't uh, work in the surgery center, thereby uh, keeping them off the unemployment rolls, uh, you know, keeping a source of revenue for them. So if that's something that you can um, uh, start looking into on behalf of all of us, uh, we would really appreciate it or, or give us some guidance as to where we need to go.
3: Yeah, I, I, I will do that, and I will tell you that today um, um, on the Department of Health's website, uh, they're also reaching out for retired staff members because they're expecting um, that even though we've increased our number of ICU beds, um, they're trying to increase them uh, up to 9,000 ICU beds. They, The biggest problem um, across the spectrum and provider types is is really going to be the staffing issue. So I think, John, to your point, there's not going to be a lack of, of um, or there's going to be a major need. For staff across the continuum, and is that that is something that they're waiving a lot of, we'll say like uh, requirements for credentialing and pulling people back up out of retirement for licensure, um, so that that we can actually meet the emergent need right now of this pandemic.
1: Right, and again, I think what we can do here uh, for our clients is that if each of these centers that that do have to make that very tough decision. Uh, reach out to your local hospital and uh, and uh, you know in whatever way you can to uh, to volunteer to help them in any way to uh, to get employees on their employee you know helping mm-hmm. to give them a payroll from inform- or um, you know uh, information with the permission of the employee of course uh, so that mm-hmm. they can expedite this process. Thank you, Lisa yeah. and John.
3: There may there may be another. I'm sorry. Go what's one, one thing, um, the governor has appointed. Um, Ken Rasky from Greater New York Hospital Association um, in conjunction with Haney's, the Hospital Association of New York State, to really be kind of taking the lead on this. So I think if centers across at least New York State, I can help. Um, if you're running, if you're starting to look at that, and this is something that's coming up in the near future, um, I think the New York State Association of Ambulatory Surgery Centers, we can help guide you to the right places, and and I can we can speak to that and actually help get that information to those associations.
1: Good. Uh, we'll start yeah, working on that, and we'll, we'll post things as quickly as possible on the website. Is that Lori?
4: And, yeah, and, and just to add to what the two of you are saying, um, I think this is a good time for leadership to speak to their staff and get their input. Are they willing to go to the hospital good point. Um, to yeah. assist? And then get that list together so they know what employees are willing and what their abilities are. So when, when you, as administrator or, or whatever, um, reaches out to the hospital, you are ready and, and able to move forward, um, decide whether you give that information directly to the hospital or if the hospital, you become the middleman between your employee and the hospital, um, see how you want to do that. But I think that's, uh, something that you want to be proactive with. And then it also lets your staff know that you're working for them as well that you you want them to be taken care of because obviously, um, many centers cannot afford to pay everybody. Um, in Massachusetts, um, there is, uh, some centers are doing, we're giving our employees two weeks of pay. Other places are, we're having them use their sick time, you know, so there it's, there's no set thing across the board. And when the memorandum came out on Monday, uh, to the hospitals and surgical centers on what non- non-essential elective invasive procedures are, they gave definitions of what they were. Right. So whether or not that's going to follow suit in New York or other states, I don't know, but they have a specific list, but it's, you know, includes, but are not limited to. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, they're, they're pretty specific. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, New
3: York State... Just one more point, um, no and I can share this, um, and I can send this to you, John, after the podcast. Um, the the governor has come out, New York State governor came out today on a three-way bill approved by the legislature and the governor um, that actually has some comprehensive, permanent, comprehensive paid sick leave policy for staff, as well as some other things in it and protections. So we can share that as well um, with the highlights of that, John, and, okay. and you can post that. Okay.
1: Thank you. And uh, we are uh, uh, we have consulted with uh, our uh, corporate counsel um, to see if we can get some uh, legal um, discussions going on one of these podcasts about uh, 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 employment law um, during this time. Wouldn't just be for furloughing, but you know what happens if you do keep people on board and other consequences of it. So hopefully that'll happen in the next couple of days.
4: Something to think about too is: Does this include your employees that are per diem? Because a lot of yeah. a lot of ASCs have uh, a high quantity of per diem staff, or I know that sounded weird, but um, and many of that those employees do not have any kind of benefits, sick, vacation, or otherwise. So they are truly hourly employees that um, are just going home with no dollars. Mm-hmm. So, that would be an interesting thing to find out.
1: Well, and, and also, I don't believe because of their position that they would generally be uh, eligible for unemployment benefits because, uh, right. depending upon how many hours that they work, so that that's going to be more of a challenge, um, mm-hmm. I think. So, those are things we need to be thinking about uh, also.
2: Yep.
1: Um, hang on one second, I'm sorry, I, I need five more hands here. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm waiting to see if John Ben-Volkenberg, John, if you wish to uh, speak, um, uh, if you could just uh, uh, indicate, and I'll I'll bring you on, but I'll have to kick somebody off. Thank you, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Alex volunteered. Okay. Hang on one second. Here comes John. Welcome, John.
5: Hi, can you hear me all right? Yep. Okay, great. Um, no, I, th- I think, uh, you know, I, I think this has been great. And thanks, everybody, for, for adding every everything and, and contributing. Um, it's been great that we're doing this uh, this daily. I know for the the New York State associations that are on, have probably been participating on our 11 a.m. call that we've been having with Capital Health. So thanks, Lisa, for that as well. Absolutely. Um, I don't have a lot to add. I know that you know, some of the input I've gotten from other New York State ASCs today, I know I mentioned on the live podcast yesterday that I had reached out uh, to facilities throughout the state to find out what their status was with regards to operations and whether they were open um, on some type of restricted operational or in full operation Um And there was the responses I got, there was probably about a dozen and and they were mixed. Um, There was some from all the above. I did get um, today based on um, what came out of the mayor's office yesterday, afternoon, evening. Um, I did get some updates from from some other facilities, uh, particularly uh, downstate, but also upstate as well. Um, there are some facilities that I know John mentioned earlier on the podcast that have taken the position that, you know, based on their, um, their assessment of elective versus non-elective cases and what, what it would mean for them, you know, staying open, they've made the decision to, uh, to temporarily close while that, um, while that directive and that executive order is in place. Um, because it wouldn't be, you know, either there would be no cases or it wouldn't be feasible for them to operate with the, the few number of cases there would be. Um, I also know that several, um, facilities uh, in upstate, although I know you mentioned earlier, um, there was no such elective, non-elective procedure mandate, but, uh, there were some facilities yesterday that had already kind of adopted that, based on recommendations from the U.S. Surgeon General and the American College of Surgeons. Um, but since yesterday, with seeing what happened downstate, um, I know there's several upstate facilities who uh, who have implemented a a. Um, a, a a delay or a postpone uh, a policy to postpone or a, a protocol to postpone any um, non-essential or you know again there's a lot of words getting thrown out there elective non-elective essential non-essential and what the definition of those are um, but you know what I've seen is common in the, in the places that are still doing procedures that are ambulatory and in in many ways considered elective uh, but they're they're time sensitive. Um, as far as the, the, the health and the, uh, the safety of the patient. So they are proceeding with those only that are deemed to be time-sensitive. Um, depending on the facility, you know, people have been taking different approaches as to, you know, who determines what's time-sensitive. Um, but, again, I've, I've been seeing a lot of, of that as well my facility uh we're we're adopting a similar protocol uh based on some some conversations we had and i think part of that is you know seeing what's happening it does seem like you know although we are not in new york city and not subject to the mayor's executive order uh, as you mentioned earlier on the call john there is something you know most likely uh there's going to be something adopted to that effect statewide you know also i think from a um from a social responsibility standpoint and from a medical community standpoint, you know, when, when guidance is coming from the, uh, you know, from the, the different, um, whether it be medical authorities or medical organizations, uh, that are, you know, that are, uh, you know, trying to, to, to do, you know, what we can to help, uh, with this, with this whole, uh, this, this whole issue, um, that, you know, we're, we're adopting those protocols for now, although, you know, it is going to be detrimental, um, from a, from a financial standpoint certainly to the business, but, um, you know, and, and hopefully I know a discussion that we had and, and something that we're going to try to work with the hospital on. And I know this was probably discussed a little bit yesterday as well is, is actually allowing for capacity for other cases that would be done, uh, outpatient cases that are, um, essential or, you know, not elective or time is of the essence, but to get those out of the hospital where, uh, where resources are, are, are being conserved, I think in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as surgery centers being available, um, to, uh, you know, to, to get those cases done and to, to do it in, in a place that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not the hospital for, uh, you know, for, for reasons of, uh, of uh, of hel- helping, um, you know, the hospital offload those and and, and conserve their resources. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know that, that that's what we've been talking about a lot today, and that's what I've been uh, talking with other facilities about that have uh, that have decided to, to to go that route as well.
1: I did have uh, a conversation with the center. I'm not going to mention where it was. Uh, they uh, they've been hit, uh, making a tough decision today as to whether to close. And uh, they decided to, uh, they, they did what we recommended, which is, uh, you know, determine what are essential and non essential. This happens to be an orthopedic center. And they were actually approached uh, by their anesthesia department, uh, who comes from a local hospital, um, who expressed, um, I guess the term is outrage, that they had the gall to stay open. They said, you are, uh, and I, I felt that was an inappropriate um, response. Mm. Um, but they felt that they were risking patients and staying open, and I don't agree at all I'm at the risk of getting no. too close to where this place is. There are no cases in that particular community. So um, I, I, I don't see any reason to close at this point. I think you have to be vigilant and maintain, um, you know, constant uh, awareness of what's going on in the community, have this conversation. But I was very disappointed in that particular situation. So that's, uh, um, that. we'll have to continue to monitor that.
5: Uh, John, yeah, I, may, I agree. And, and, and I don't I don't think that falls in line with with the recommendations we've been seeing with regard to this. That's correct. Um, yeah, I don't. I, do, you know, even from 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 authority. I mean, it is important that, you know, I mean, people still need, um, you know, medical services. I mean, you know, right. in orthopedics, people still are, you know, there are open fractures. There are, you know, in 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 saying, well, close the surgery centers and instead make sure, you know, just divert those cases from a surgery center to the hospital, I I think to be honest with you,
1: is irresponsible. Yeah, at least I had a comment.
3: Yeah. Um, so so the the other thing, I, the point that I actually have in a conversation and um, emails with the government was um, going back to the fiscal sensitivity of all this we are really at the very early stages of this pandemic in the U.S. Right. I think based on the numbers that we're seeing, you know, New York State is now number one with over, you know, 950 cases. You know, this, this could continue to grow. And if, if based on experts' projections, we're not gonna have the, pos- the possible capacity. So while I think it's very prudent to follow, John, everything that you're saying and your association's doing, um, I think what's critical is that we look at there's there's going to be the need for surge and yeah. that's what they're trying to identify. you know the governor yesterday and the day before was even looking at you know basically bringing in you know federal federal assistance to build and uh, kind of stand up furloughed uh, dorms or hospitals so that we have the surge capacity. Why would we do that when we have you know the ambulatory surgery center resource there. So, so I think I think it's too early on, and I think you know this is this is not a this is not going to be a sprint. This is going to be something where we have to see the you know the peak and 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 the cases come in. So, um, so just kind of like furloughing and closing things, for, you know, more than like five days at a time, it, it may would just be basically a little irresponsible. So I think that's why they're taking a very a very uh, slow-as-you-go approach. And he's basically making recommendations based on what the science is telling him and what's going on in the community. And that's something that we've been telling everyone. Make sure you're really staying on top of the websites that have been posted, CDC, the Department of Health in New York State, but also local health departments. Because some of the decisions that your physicians and your individual ambulatory surgery center may make is going to be based on what's happening in your local OEM and and your by the health department, to, and that may change. So um, I think I think you have to just really pay attention to that.
1: John, I think we can hear you starting your car. Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> oh, sorry it's nice that our technology okay, can work land. anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh and to that end Lisa, right. And to that end, Lisa, I uh I need uh oh I lost my thought. <laughs> end, Not
4: anyway. good getting old, man.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, forget it for now. Uh I'm sure it'll come to me at the end of the podcast. Um let's uh, I did want to kind of give an accreditation update. We uh just before we went on the air, we did double check with Triple H C and Joint Commission. Uh uh and And I did check with Quad ASF. Quad ASF's website, uh, I'll start with them because there was no update. It didn't indicate any uh, shutdown at all. Um, Triple HC has indicated that for all Triple HC accreditation and certification programs, should your actual survey date occur after the accreditation expiration date, there will not be a negative consequence for going beyond that date. So don't worry if you're. uh, If you're about to expire, you're not going to expire, they're going to take care of that. Specifically for organizations participating in the deemed status accreditation, CMS has indicated that this delay will not impact your reimbursement and your certification. Very important. So if you're going to go beyond the deemed status, uh, beyond the date of your accreditation, you're not going to uh, um, have any problems with your certification and you will continue to be paid, well, assuming that the government continues to pay you. Uh, Triple H.C. has po- postponed all non-emergency surveys for non-MDS for all, M- uh, all deem status and non deem status programs scheduled for a survey with a begin date of tomorrow, that's March 18th through May 1st. If your survey has already been scheduled, a representative from Triple H.C. will contact you to confirm your postponement and reschedule your canceled survey to another date. Um, and that includes routine, uh, MDS and non-MDS, that's uh, Medicare deemed status and non-MDS, uh, reaccreditation, special and uh, uh Medicare Deem status and special non Medicare deem status, interim surveys, compliance surveys, health plans, patient centered medical home. Well, that doesn't apply to us. Triple HC will do its best to complete high priority emergency surveys for all Medicare deemed status and non Medicare deemed status programs. However, their ability to do so is limited by the surveyor availability. And I, as a surveyor, I will also note that that's, uh, that's drying up pretty quickly. I think Lori will. Uh, they
4: they uh, sent out. Um Probably during this podcast, a questionnaire to all the surveyors to see their willingness to, survey. to perform surveys, yeah. and their and if they are healthy to to perform the surveys. Well, so, and keep
1: in mind, people like Lori and myself, we're so swamped right now with everything else that's going on. You know, a lot of uh, Lori and I are are you know typical surveyors who have other jobs, other full time jobs, and. I don't, you know, we couldn't possibly leave what we're doing now to do a, you know, a survey at this point. Oh, I'll leave you any day. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Laurie. <laughs> 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 you hear that? That's on record. Let's let's cut her off payroll. <laughs> effective <exactly>. immediately. <laughs> for the number two. We'll. <laughs> um, and then Triple H C said, "Visit their website for more detailed information." Joint Commission said, "In light of the uh, declaration of a national emergency, uh, they are uh, d- uh, they are uh, they're suspending all regular surveying activity effective." Uh, uh, this, uh, this past Monday. In some cases, there may, may be a small number of surveys that will need to continue, such as high-risk situations. They'll provide more details as, uh, uh, on what surveys are proceeding at this time. They do not have an anticipated restart date. All postponed survey events will occur once we resume operations. Um, and then they also stated if any organizations go past their accreditation due date, accreditation will be extended without disruption, and then they also verified that CMS will not, uh, will not um, uh, stop services there. Um, we're coming to the end here. Thank you for your patience. I've noticed that we haven't had any drop-off yet. As a matter of fact, our listenership is going up. Uh, so I will keep talking, um, resource, (laughs) um, yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to keep talking. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, the resources, please visit the ASC podcast with John Gailey, uh, uh, website on the front page. There is an action plan. I I have been told by my staff that I need to make it more obvious. I don't think how more obvious I can make it. Uh, so click on the big bold letters in there. No, it's good now. You okay, good. Uh, and you'll you'll we we're actually just using one page there. Everything's going on that one page. So it is kind of long. Uh, there's a lot of links. Uh, we check them daily to make sure the links are working. If there are problems with any of the links, please email me and I'll fix it as soon as I can. We're updating the pages. There's a
2: couple updates that. We'll be posting either today or tomorrow.
1: Okay. Uh, we are, as Jenna just said, we're updating as frequently as possible to give you the latest updates. We have been updating throughout the day. Uh, please listen to uh, the past podcast on your smartphone or online at ascpodcast.com. There are three now four. I, I'll post this sometime later tonight. Uh, live podcasts per- currently posted, so there's a lot of information in there. I am sorry they are long. I know you're going to have to weed through an awful lot of information to get to probably what you're most interested in, but um, but but. The, the, That's what we have to do right now. Uh, We are considering another, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we are considering another podcast today, and obviously we're doing that. Uh, I am not sure that we're going to have a podcast tomorrow. I have uh, been engaged for speaking engagement, though I have seen that during the podcast there frantically trying to call me, so I wonder if they've canceled that. I did want to just kind of give a personal update on our staff. I know that um, uh, I have d- uh, ordered all of our staff at Amateur Healthcare Strategies to discontinue all travel. That was effective already. Our communication systems are all online and functioning as intended, except for our texting within the studio. Sorry about that today, guys. Uh, and we have a full teleconferencing capability. We, I, have, I have ordered all of my staff to be in touch on a daily basis with all of our centers. That is occurring. Uh, our, our, our staff is attempting to send information to affected clients as it happens, but we are struggling to keep up with this rapidly uh, changing situation. So you might want to uh, uh, check that same website that we're sending all of our employees, to, or, our uh, listeners to. Um, I don't know who, who that is, but uh, we have a lot of background noise. If you need assistance immediately, and this is for staff, uh, I'm sorry, for uh, clients and non-clients, uh, if you need assistance immediately please call email or text your, uh, your contact uh, and if you uh, uh, can't get a hold of them or if you don't if you're not a client of the search of uh, AHS uh, please contact or text me or call me at 585-729-8781 that's 585-729-8781 it is posted or it will be posted somewhere I'll get that up there uh, texting first is recommended since I am literally on the phone all day long And I'll call back as as quickly as I can or direct the appropriate person to contact you. Are there any? Can I
4: jump in for a second? Yes, please do. Before you do that, I just
1: wanna say if anybody has any questions, please text us through the the app or send an email and we will get it on.
4: Uh, And the other thing is um, for the clients of John's, um, I don't have um, you, but I am available to you. Thank you. Uh, This is Lori. So um, if you want to, if you need to reach out to me for any questions, you know, you can either go through your contact and they'll forward it to me um, because that'll be an easy way to do it. But don't hesitate if you have questions that you're not sure if, you know, Alex or Judy or someone um, can answer for you uh, because they're very good at sharing um, the ability to get the information. So please, please don't hesitate.
1: And we probably should mention here, since we haven't mentioned it yet, that Lori, you, uh, Lori is our infection control expert. She is uh, certified, uh, CAPE certified, that's a certified ambulatory infection preventionist. Um, she is our go-to person for all things uh, infection control. Jen, of course, helps on the research side, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, Lori is... Uh, Uh, Well, she's been around forever, so what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I had to throw that in there. Uh, Does anybody... Oh, go ahead. Uh, Does any of the people online have any uh, other things to add? Do we have any questions? Okay. We have uh, some legal things to do here. Um, I think I might have gone offline. Did I go offline? I don't know what happened here. Uh, no, we are still live. I'm sorry. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, let me see. I'm sorry. Well, okay. That's it for this episode of the ASC podcast with John Gailey. Jo- join us again and please consider becoming a patron by going to our website at ascpodcast.com and spread the word. Hang on one second. We did get a question. Um, if your ASC does not have N95 masks, is our staff safe with only using surgical masks? I think the answer to that is yes, right?
4: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's what you, it's what you have. It's what you use. Yes, right. absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, can see the
2: CDC guidance regarding mask use. It's on the website. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, any other questions? Real time here. Uh, Again, please visit our website, ASCPodcast.com, spread the word. Please tell everybody about us, Uh, you know, this is a great resource we hope for everybody out there and uh, we appreciate your support. The sound editor for this episode is Susan Cronkite, executive producer John Gailey. Uh, Research assistance is provided by Susan Cronkite, Jenna Alvarez, Judy D'Ambrosio, Alex Bornemann, Zach Calritas, and Lori Rodericks. Music is provided by Media Sushi. And Mike Noah, the ASC podcast with John Gailey is hosted on Podbean and is available on all major podcast channels. Go Sue.
0: This podcast is an educational and operational tool and is not intended to be a comprehensive resource for all rules, regulations, and standards that an ambulatory surgery center must meet. The advice provided should not be considered as, nor does it constitute legal advice or opinion. When reviewing specific situations involving legal and regulatory issues, attorneys and other professionals should be consulted. This has been a production of Eden Group Development. All rights are reserved. Thank you to our sponsor, Ambulatory Healthcare Strategies. For more information about our services, please visit our website at ah-strategies.com. If you're interested in advertising or sponsoring with the ASC Podcast with John Gailey, please email us at info at podcast okay. at ascpodcast.com. We would love to hear your questions and comments. Please email us at comments at ascpodcast.com.
1: Thank you all.